Hey, this is Paul Durbin. I'm the pastor of Belay Church in Boulder, Colorado, and this is our podcast. I pray today's content equips you to reach higher heights and help others do the same. Thanks so much for joining us today. How does Jesus in me make me a better leader? In the book of Acts, chapter 27, there's some helpful lessons about leadership that we can learn as we watch the Apostle Paul look to Jesus as the captain of his life. Specifically, we're going to see that, one, we gain authority as we submit to authority. Two, it's easier to lead when we're being led. And three, purpose is important, but so is process. Now, in the last few chapters of Acts, leading up to chapter 27, Paul has been arrested because of his faith in Jesus. He's been jailed and then questioned by one official after the other. First, it was Ananias, the high priest. Then it was Felix, the governor of Caesarea. Then Festus, the next governor of Caesarea, and finally King Agrippa, the king over all of northern Israel. And through all of it, Paul has hope, Paul has confidence, Paul is bold. Why? Because Paul has Jesus inside. He has Jesus in me. Now, because Paul appealed to Caesar, he must take a long, difficult ocean journey to Rome, which is what Acts 27 is all about. It's all about that journey. But it's much more than that. It's also a great example of what godly, spirit-led leadership looks like. You've probably heard the expression, the captain always goes down with the ship. It's a familiar expression that underscores the responsibility a captain has for the people on his boat. Did you know that when you step onto a ship, two things happen. First, you become the captain's responsibility. It's his job to keep you safe. Second, you come under the captain's authority. In fact, a captain outranks any other official who might happen to be on the ship. A king, a president, or a prime minister all come under the captain's authority when they are on the ship. Perhaps an important question as we begin this look at leadership today is this, is Jesus your captain? Have you given him ultimate and complete control of your life? And think about that for a moment, because whatever we mention about leadership today doesn't matter if Jesus isn't your captain. But with that in mind, here's three lessons we can learn about Jesus from Paul about leadership as he looks to Jesus as his captain. And here's the first lesson. I gain authority as I submit to authority. Put another way, the privilege of being in charge is directly proportionate to the extent that I'm willing to submit myself to those in charge of me. Galatians chapter 6 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So if you sow mutiny, you will reap mutiny. If you sow a critical spirit, you will reap criticism. But the reverse is also true. If you sow faithfulness, you will reap faithfulness. If you sow honor, you'll reap honor. Let's see what this looked like on Paul's ocean journey in Acts 27. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius, who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. We boarded a ship from Adamidium to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia, and we put out to sea. Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. The next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so they might provide for his needs. Think about it. When Paul stepped on the boat, 
he was in chains and had zero authority. Yet somehow in one day, he's given just a small amount of authority, the freedom to go see his friends so they could supply his needs. Listen, your attitude, even over the course of one day, can change the amount of authority you've been entrusted with. Some of you watching or listening are not being given the authority you wish you had at work or at home because you're sowing the wrong things. You're sowing criticism. You're sowing a bad attitude or a lack of initiative. Remember this one thing. I gain authority as I submit to authority. Now, after his trip ashore, Paul again boards the ship, and as they continue to sail, they encounter rough waters, and their progress slows down. Let's pick it up in verse 9. Much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the Day of Atonement. So Paul warned them, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo, and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unstable, unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. There was a, there, this was a harbor in Crete, facing both southwest and northwest. Have you ever had a great idea, but those in authority don't listen to you? That happens sometimes. But it provides a great opportunity to you. It gives you the opportunity to keep sowing faithfulness into that authority that God himself has placed in your life. Paul says to the crew, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. And the sad thing is, Paul is right. The ship will be destroyed and every piece of cargo will be lost. However, Paul is actually wrong about lives being lost. Everyone will make it through the upcoming disaster. But regardless, no one listens to Paul. Now, here's the important thing. Even though Paul is pretty much right on, he doesn't start a mutiny. He instead continues to sow loyalty, and it will eventually pay off. You see, there are times when you're going to be right, and it's going to be obvious to you and maybe others. But your job in God's kingdom isn't to make sure everybody knows you're right. Your job is to trust God even when you don't get your way. All right, think about it. Can you sow faithfulness even when no one is listening to you but God? If you can, you will begin to discover, you will begin to discover that I gain authority as I submit to authority. All right, now here's the second leadership lesson we learn by watching Paul look to Jesus as his captain. It's this, it's easier to lead when I'm being led. Starting in verse 13, the Bible says, When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Kata, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure, so the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Because they were afraid they would run aground on the, sand, on the sandbars of Syrtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. I want you to notice something. Notice how the soldiers are not being led, they're actually being driven. How about you? Are you being led or are you being driven? If I'm driven by every opportunity and great idea that comes my way, I find that leadership becomes difficult and confusing. 
I find it much better to be led by the Spirit of God as I lead others. And this is what the Apostle Paul does. He's not chasing after everything that looks like a great opportunity. He's listening for the voice and the direction of his captain. The story continues in verse 18. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. I want you to notice something in these verses. Everyone on the boat is focused on the wind, but they're not focused on the same wind. Paul is focused on the wind that Jesus speaks about in John 3.8. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. You see, in the Greek language, wind and spirit are represented by the same exact word, pneuma. Looking at the story, we could, we, could, we could say the sailors are being driven by one spirit or one wind, while Paul is being led by a completely different spirit, a completely different wind. Paul is being led by the Spirit of God. In verse 23, he says, Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. I dare say that Paul is leading in perhaps the most difficult place anyone could ever lead. He's on a sinking ship in the dark as a prisoner. <laughs> could it possibly get any worse? But here's the thing, no matter what external circumstance we have to deal with, it's always easier to lead when we ourselves are being led. All right, here's the third lesson we can learn about leadership by watching Paul look to Jesus as his captain. Purpose is important, but so is process. All right, we continue in verse 27. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea, when about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down in the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. Now the purpose here seems pretty clear. Get to land and get there safely. But God also had a process in mind. When we first moved to Boulder, we understood our purpose for being here. God has called us to plant a church. It would be tempting to focus on that purpose and to try and force things to happen. 
I'm actually finding it takes a lot of discipline to pace myself and align our team with God's process of accomplishing His purpose. But I'm just convinced that if we follow God's process in pursuing His purpose, we will all be much happier with the result. All right, let's continue in verse 33. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat it. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they let them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow struck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or in other pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land safely. If we back up from this chapter and we say, okay, what's going on here? We'd say, well, Paul is being taken to Rome so he can stand before trial before Caesar. But then we'd have to ask, well, then why all of this hassle in Acts chapter 27? Why the storms? Why the shipwreck? You know, come on, God, do you want Paul to get to Rome or not? I believe we'd have to conclude that God not only had a purpose for Paul, he needs to testify before Caesar, but God also had a process to get him there. Because to God, purpose is important, but so is the process. All right, did you notice one little detail in this story? During this whole ordeal, 275 very desperate sailors, soldiers, and prisoners witnessed Paul put his faith in Jesus Christ, pray to the God of heaven, and experience that prayer be miraculously answered. Do you think that process might have awakened them to their purpose? You see, your painful process might be God's way of waking others up to their purpose. And if you sidestep the difficulties in your life, you may hinder them from realizing their purpose. Does God have a purpose for your life? A destination that he's taking you to? Absolutely. But his process of getting you there is just as important. I believe these are some powerful lessons for leaders and those who desire to lead. First, I gain authority as I submit to authority. They grow proportionate to one another. Okay? Second, it's easier to lead when I'm being led. You know, who wants to be driven by a cold wind when the Spirit of God wants to gently lead? Third, purpose is important, but so is process. Thanks again for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, and visit us online at belay.church or on social media at belaychurch. Let's reach higher heights and help others do the same.